Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello and welcome, enlightened investors. I'm your host, Dr. Alan Lomax, and what a pleasure it is to have you with us today as we look into how we can successfully asset manage our multifamily properties. Sonia Rockville is the principal and founder of Bedrock Real Estate Investors, a multifamily acquisition company. Sonia is a syndicator, operator, and the asset manager. She is a CPA, and in her previous life, she was also an auditor. So she brings us lots of good information here today. So, Sonia, start us off by sharing a memorable experience from your formative years. Thank you so much, Alan, for having me here. I think one of the things that, and I actually didn't realize how much this shaped my path. So I grew up in Queens in New York, and my parents and my father had lived in Brooklyn. So over the the holidays, this was before Brooklyn was what it is now, but we would, you know, for the holidays, we'd always drive from Queens to Brooklyn. And I remember seeing so many abandoned homes, so many unkept and really uncared for places. And I remember thinking, and again, this was a while ago, how could there be so many abandoned places? But then we have people who are homeless. Why does that happen? And there's a lot to answer that question. I don't know if all these years later, if there's still an answer for that. But I think that that really was something that made me somewhat fascinated with real estate at that point. And then it evolved to later on. But I think that was something that was really um, impactful. Yeah, it is really sad and unfortunate that we have such a large homeless population. And at the same time, we have massive amounts of, of vacant homes that could in some way, shape or form be put to use. You don't sound like a New Yorker. I would never have guessed that was where you came from. Well, let us get into asset management here. So tell us how, first of all, you got into asset management. You were in the corporate world as a CPA and auditor. How did you make that jump from that world? Yes. So I started out on, as you said, in the accounting track, and I went to what's now what a big four accounting firm at doing audit. And I realized that that was not the path that I wanted to take. I didn't want to be a partner at the firm. So at that point, if you realize that's not your path, at some point you have to, you know, you have to move on, you have to leave. So about maybe three and a half, almost four years, uh, four years in, I transitioned and I spent most of my career in corporate America at a Fortune 500 company. Great company, worked with a lot of great people. And it's a big organization. And what ended up happening was my entire group, including myself, we were all laid off. And Mm -hmm. it really gave me pause. I had to take a step back and think, what do I want to do next? Do I want to find another role within the company? Do I want to work for a competitor? Or do I want to do something else? And it was a window of opportunity that 
you know, I feel really fortunate to have actually had to take the step back and think, you know, I've always been really interested in real estate prior to hearing everything that was happening with the company. I had been thinking about, you know, where do I see myself next? What is my next role? And I was having some trouble seeing what that was, but I was reading a lot of books, a lot of real estate books. And and then, you know, having that opportunity to take a step back, it just allowed me to jump in and join various real estate groups and also, you know, a multifamily investment group because I saw that that was the asset class that really resonated with me. And it's from there that really helped me put me on the path of syndication and, and ultimately acquiring and asset managing. Well, even though auditing wasn't your calling and you didn't ultimately stay in the corporate world of accounting, I can see that it was marvelous preparation for where you have actually ultimately ended up because that is so much a part of excellent and good asset management. So talk to us about exactly how you define asset management in terms of the real estate world. Yes. So a lot of people, you know, there's often a need to make a distinction between property management and asset management, because when I talk about asset management, sometimes people think, well, isn't that what the property manager is doing? And it's, it's definitely, it's not the same. Even though the property manager is one of your key partners once you acquire a property, but the asset manager's role is to really work with the property manager to set the strategy for the property and to make sure that the, that the strategy that you set gets executed. So that strategy setting really happens in the earliest stage of you even if you finding the property. So if you, you find a property that you think may be a good acquisition target, you're, you know, looking at where can I add value? How can I make this property better? And in doing so, you're coming up with how you want to, to transform or change or improve that property. And so that's critical. Then your property manager is working alongside you to ensure that that, that vision that you have for the property, the vision that you're basing your assumptions on, that your investors are also agreeing to be part of this journey with you to make sure that that gets executed and then evaluating that strategy as you progress, that's also really important as an asset manager. How are you doing against the plan? And sometimes it happens that you have to make a change to the plan because something happened unexpected. And what does that mean for the projections? What does that mean for your investors? And making sure that you're staying on top of all of those various moving parts. So yes, the certainly property management is important. And I think a lot of people, I think you're really correct that they confuse the two roles with that and with asset management. So tell us a little bit more about this process of asset management. Certainly it entails uh, the accounting, the bookkeeping aspects of that. But there's more to asset management than just what's there on the paper. So tell us about, I guess, a day in the life of an asset management. Right. Well, you know, some of the things that you have to do as an asset manager is you're constantly keeping an eye on the business. So very often you are looking at a lot of the reports that you get from your property manager 
on a weekly basis. You're really understanding where you are with your physical occupancy, which is how many people are in the building versus how many units you have available to rent. And then your economic occupancy, which is, are all of those people paying? How many of those people? What percentage are you doing in terms of your collections? Monitoring the collections and the aging. And then a very important thing is also understanding people potentially moving in or moving out of the building. So that's critical to understand because first, it impacts your turnover costs. Secondly, it may impact your strategy because if you have a value-add strategy where you are going to make improvements and therefore increase rent, you really need to know when people are leaving, especially if everyone is on a 12-month lease. So you really want to have as much advance notice as possible so you can plan and have your contractors or your team ready to make to turn the apartment when it becomes available. So that's a very important metric that sometimes can get missed. And then also a really important thing is when you're reviewing in your financials, where you are versus your budget, and this is usually on a monthly basis at this point, you're also looking, how are you doing versus what you plan to do? And even if you're doing better than what you planned or you're doing worse, you really should know why that difference is happening. Because it could be that it's a one-time anomaly or it could be something that's unexpected that's happened, and it's going to tell you that you need to make a different decision. We'll be right back after a brief announcement. Are you a busy professional, passionate about the work of your calling, yet realize that even though you love what you are doing, you're exchanging your time for money? You know that if you were to lose the ability to exchange time for money, your financial well-being will be in jeopardy. If you can relate, I have great news. Steve Tucker Capital is an investment company designed for professionals to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Remove the anxiety of an uncertain financial future and go to steetalker.com. Get your free one-page 10-step guide to passive real estate investing. For someone with an accounting background like you, that's probably kind of like as easy as falling off a log. But for folks that don't have this background, this is critical information. Do you have any tips or clues on how a non-accounting individual can take control of their asset management? Yes. So one of the things that you could do is your property manager, and this is why they're a really cute partner, they'll usually have reports that they can send you or that you may be able to log in and look at. And I would say, while I know that it can be challenging sometimes for people to look at a a lot of numbers, I know that especially if you're not inclined to want to look at numbers, it becomes like, you know, people kind of avoid it. But it's Mm so important to just to also make sure that you're looking at how are you doing versus your budget and start big first, start at total revenue. You don't have to look at all the details. I tend to jump into the details to see everything. Maybe start first at just overall revenue, expenses, NOI, and cash flow or your final net income. Just look at those first and just see, are those way off or are they off? And if they are, then you can go to the next level and say, okay, my revenue is coming in a little bit lower or higher or just about where I thought it would be. This is good. So at least, you know, kind of maybe take that higher level view first and then go into the details when you're trying to find out why. 
Well, there's a lot of property tech software out there these days that can certainly help us in terms of our property management. Are there any particular property management uh, technologies that you particularly like and that you find more user-friendly than others? Yeah. So some of it is is the property management software, the, the software that the property manager is using. So most recently, we've been using Appfolio and they have a dashboard. So it, it's a really good high level, uh, provides high level information about where you are in terms of collections at any given point in time. It kind of shows you like uh, percentages or sometimes they're like pie charts. So those are sometimes easier for people to digest than looking at all of the detail of the numbers. So um, to the extent that your software provides some level of, you know, dashboards or high level analysis, those are always uh, very helpful to help to see where you are and then also to be able to more easily digest the numbers. So when you are in the acquisition process and actually going into hiring your property manager, are you going to go with their software or when you're putting in a new property manager, do you say, this is our software, this is what you want to use and then go through that training process of training them on your software or do you stay with their software? Right. So usually when we are hiring a property manager, we'll, we'll typically ask them in the beginning before, before they're engaged to work with us, what software they use. And if it's something that I'm not familiar with, I will ask for a sample reporting package or sometimes what people call an MMR report, a Monday morning report, or like a high level report that gives you something that you would get on a weekly basis to see what they already have. I have to say, I think it would be challenging to ask them to change their software to service you, you know, just as, as one client. So, you know, if there's a software that you absolutely, you know, really don't like and, and that that's what they use. You have a choice that you have to make. It's either, you know, is the management team strong and solid enough? You'll be able to work through the software or is it a completely, you know, a no-go and you'd rather use someone else? So, you know, you really at the end have to make that judgment call. But at the end of the day, it's just extremely critical that they're hiring the best person to work with you. If you have a large property, that that, that on-site person is going to be able to be the most effective for your property. If it's a smaller size property, there's not an on-site person, just that the overall management team and company they fit into the type of asset that you have. Sometimes, you know, asset management companies that are used to managing class A properties, they're probably maybe not the best fit for the class C property that you're looking at. You know, understand their track record, understand the what they currently have on their portfolio and, and what they have had in their portfolio in the past to help make that decision. And vice versa. Sure. Well, what are some other pointers in terms of going through that selection process of a property manager, which is so critical to that overall aspect of property management? Right. Well, first of all, the property manager there, you're on the ground team. So I mentioned I'm in New York, but none of the investments that syndicated have been anywhere near New York. They've all been in the Southeast and in Georgia and and and, uh, most recently in Alabama. 
So, you know, this is your on the ground team. So you definitely in talking to them, making sure that you understand how they manage the properties that are in their portfolio. Sometimes it's good just drive by the existing properties that they manage you know, when you're doing your site visit or you're meeting with them. So you can see how they're maintained, especially if they're similar size to the property that you're planning on acquiring. So that's also something you want to see. And, and where are those properties located? There's usually uh, some you know, economies of scale. If you have a smaller size property, then they also have a smaller property in that same area that could be an actual benefit to you that could be more, like I mentioned, economies of scale for that. But the other thing that I would say is to understand the size properties that they feel comfortable working with as well. Some groups are more specialized in working with smaller size assets. And so smaller meaning maybe under 100 units or, you know, that 20 to 50 units. Just understand what size property they're used to managing. I um, have met property managers that were great. Their specialty was under 100 units. And when I'm looking at over 100 units, I don't want to put them in a situation where they don't feel that they're going to be able to perform at their optimal. So in that market, I'd have to look at another property manager for those type deals. And then there are some managers, they only do over 100 units. So if you're looking at smaller properties, what may happen is the cost structure that they have is not going to be conducive to your smaller property. And it's just going to be a strain on your deal. So that's a very important thing. The other thing is just understanding your resident base. Who are going to be the residents in your property? And a lot of times I lean on property managers to help me understand who that is when I'm going into a new market because they usually have a really good lay of the land. And just again, that they're able to service those that customer base. Yeah, those are just really critical aspects of property management. And thank you for pointing out those different ways of ferreting out what makes a good property manager. Because it could be a good property manager and just not the right manager for your particular property. And I like the suggestion you made of actually driving by their other properties just to see what they're doing and how they're handling those. That could make a big difference in your final determinations, I would think. Well, Asset management is not just property management, but it is also uh, investor relationships. So how does asset management come into that aspect of investor relations? Yeah, and thanks for bringing that up, Alan. So yes, you're managing the property, but if, especially if you're syndicating deals or if you have investors, you're managing the property also on behalf of those individuals who have entrusted you with their dollars. So it's important that you set expectations about the level of communication that you're going to be having with your investors. So typically, you know, we'll have quarterly webinars to keep our investors updated, to let them know what's happening, we update them on distributions, and, uh, where we are with our business plan, especially if we had a, a larger CapEx plan, or if we had a smaller CapEx plan that we're still within that scope still. So that communication is so important. So you're having those communications. And then also there is the distribution process. That's part of that asset management scope as well. And then also working with them on the final K-1s and the annual tax returns. 
and talking about tax returns, what do you offer your investors in terms of dealing with their taxes, dealing with those K-1s and all of the reporting that you provide for them? Right. So what we'll do is we'll work. So we work with our tax CPAs who are preparing the K-1s and we will understand the timing for when we'll be able to get the K-1s. And we really want them to be completed in time so that we can get there to our investors as soon as possible. So that's one of the things that we'll communicate with our investors so that they'll know when to expect them. And then ensuring that they are sent to them, you know, either through a secure email or through the portal that we have set up for them. And so that's really an important part because, you know, you're working with your other business partner who is your tax CPA on that. So you want to make sure you have a group that's familiar with real estate accounting syndications and the intricacies of some of the accelerated depreciation and some of the other things that investors, real estate investors, you know, have grown to love and expect. So you want to make sure that you you have a group and a team that's able to do that. That's important as well. Well, Sonia, you have a lot of great information to share. So how do our viewers and listeners get in touch with you? Oh, sure. So you can reach me on LinkedIn at Sonia Rockville, CPA. You can also go to my website, bedrockreinvestors.com, or you can also send me an email, Sonia at bedrockreinvestors.com. Well, excellent. And all that information is, of course, in our show notes. Well, Sonia, you have this saying, always ask why. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So I always think about that when I'm looking at my financial statements or I'm reviewing what's happening on the property. And I always want to know what is causing the difference between what we thought was going to happen and what's actually going to happen, what's actually happened. And it's been surprising sometimes when you ask that additional question, you may find that may be made an assumption about what would be happening in terms of move-ins or move-outs. And it turns out that there may be an issue in the process and you have to work with your property manager to figure that out. So it may be more of a process issue in some cases uh, versus just, you know, prices went up or something. So, you know, you definitely want to understand that. And that helps you solve problems because really... A lot of this business is about solving problems, solving problems and managing risks. Yeah, exactly. And and yeah, I think it's easy for all of us. We look at something and we just automatically form these assumptions. And we can be so off base, not just in projections, but just in, in looking at our daily reports, we can go, well, this doesn't look right, and then we form an assumption, and we really don't ask the question, you know, why is this really happening? So, good reminder to all of us to always, always ask that question, why, and get the answer rather than assuming. Well, Sonia, it's been a delight uh, having you with us, and enlightened investors, thank you so much for being with us today, and I hope that you've enjoyed being with uh, Sonia as much as I have. Thank you so much, Sonia, for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. 
As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Speed Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Speed Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at speedtalker.com.